0: we will find you, and I will kill you. Yeah! I am the Shut the fuck up, Donnie! The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist.
1: What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you?
0: Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? hell no just been remote. open the pod bay doors now i'm sorry dave i'm afraid i can't do that you want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth because it is my name i see Dave. today junior you ever dance with the devil in the pan
1: Your eye out, kid.
0: I like scary movies. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movies? The price is warm, bitch.
2: Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And I'm actually joined by both of my co-hosts this week. Uh, so that's a that's a first in a while, especially with all of us here on video for like, you know, the first time all three of us. Uh, so Leslie, how are you doing?
3: I'm good. How are you?
2: I'm doing pretty well. And and Pat, how about yourself? How are you doing? Well, not too bad either. (laughs) All right. Uh, And this week we will be uh, uh, reviewing Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, Much like our previous video and episode of the podcast, we are going to talk about the movie and our general thoughts about it. And then we're going to score it and then give a spoiler section uh, to kind of justify our scores or or things that we feel like we want to talk about here on the podcast. Um, But before we really get into that, I do want to give... A huge shout-out to people who have subscribed um, to the podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, And uh, two big – well, not big, but, like, in our sphere of known uh, YouTubers, uh, I want to thank JJ Stoner and Virgie G, who are definitely, like, if you're going to research them as YouTubers, be prepared for some really off-the-wall stuff with them and probably not safe-for-work material and the stuff that they talk about. Uh, but they have uh, really helped kind of push the channel a little bit and get us some more subscribers. So I just want to show some appreciation uh, to those channels. And if you're, if you like really dark humor and crazy humor and uh, you know, not um, what Pat, what would you describe it? Not um, maybe appropriate humor.
1: (laughs) I would probably say just, random
2: humor. Yeah, there's that too. Any, um anything and everything. Uh so if if you're into that or not easily offended, you should go go check those guys out because they just they make our day. I know they make my day when I'm working a lot more bearable when their shows come on cuz it's something to listen to and laugh to and participate in. So, uh okay, without further ado, let's talk about Shang-Chi. Um so I know Leslie and I did a little bit of a trailer reaction when um, when that came out. And of course, that was, you know, audio only days. So we didn't have the trailer playing along or anything about that. But uh, we kind of talked about it and we were really interested, especially knowing that this was taking post in game uh, in that time period. Um, And I know we were both excited for it. And pretty much for the most part, I think we both the two of us and I know Pat enjoyed it because we went and saw it together. But. It was good, right?
3: Yeah, I really yeah. liked it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I you'd... remember
3: saying in the trailer, the one thing that I was more interested in is because I didn't know a lot about his character in particular. Mm-hmm. So I was interested to learn. It kind of felt like we're back to the beginning, sort of, with the MCU. Like, we're starting back over.
2: Yeah, and we're getting I kind really, of a new origin story.
3: Yeah, I really, really liked it. I really liked how the story played out. I I, I saw some slight complaints, where people felt like he wasn't given enough of the spotlight that maybe it was on like Win Woo or um, his sister or on Katie, but I absolutely loved the movie exactly as it is. I wouldn't change anything about it. You know, 10 out of 10. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we know that score is false. Cause we don't do that. Uh... Well, that's why
3: I went with tens. <laughs>
2: Pat, uh, yeah, what what did you, like, because I, I don't know, um, like, when you saw the trailer or anything, because we didn't really, we haven't really, outside of going and seeing it together, uh, we hadn't really talked much about the film.
1: I'll, I'll say that outside of, like, seeing the trailer on, on like, TV, I didn't really watch the full thing at any point in time before going to see the movie. And I think what we see is, like, a pretty strong origin story with, like, some filming aspects that you haven't really seen in any other of the marvel movies i think that there's some really artsy scenes that kind of really help tie it together and kind of help you relate to the characters better okay and i think that is pretty much my vague
2: (laughs) my vague (laughs) review of the movie right Uh, yeah i um I think everyone kind of expected this to be like a Kung Fu movie, you know? Cause that's kind of like the Jet Li, uh, Jackie Chan style of like the bus scene from the trailer. And, and that's I think what kind of like what people expected and we got that, but we also got some really cool uh, character moments. And uh, I know like Feige had said a while back that like, it was like pretty much post-Doctor Strange. They were kind of done with origin stories where they were going to introduce characters in like some of the other films and then maybe build upon it rather than just be like, this is Batman and this is his parents getting murdered for the 20th time on screen. Um, so I think that, that this is an origin movie without all of those tropes. Uh, it did kind of the man of steel approach in, in that, like we get kind of early exposition about the Mandarin and um You know his conquests throughout out the centuries, and then we jump straight to present day, and then we're relayed more of of Shang's uh, backstory through flashbacks that don't take up too much time and don't feel to really drag down the story. And I really appreciated that approach because there are uh, movies that can rely way too much on those flashbacks and end up uh, really dragging down the story and making the runtime feel feel a little bit longer than it actually is. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't want to, like... There's not really a complex plot to this film. It's very, like, point A, point B, point C, point, point D, and it, it all kind of flows really well together. There are, like weak moments in, uh, in kind of getting the characters to those points. Uh, more specifically, the card he got from his sister uh, and then getting attacked on the bus, like knowing then he's got to immediately go find his sister in China. Because uh, when you get to kind of the re- the big reveal or the twist within the story, it doesn't quite make sense. Like, because she did, she says she doesn't send the card and we never find out who really sent it. And given the context with what the Mandarin is dealing with, um, it it doesn't quite make sense there either. Uh, being oh, vague about it without it. spoilers, you the think, spoilers. You think he sent it?
3: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he sent it because when they were having dinner, he said, I always know where my children are.
2: Yeah, uh, that could be. Maybe it was just not uh, explained well enough. And it's minor. Like, it doesn't really detract from the film for me. It's just one of those small plot points that's like if you really want to look at it uh really critically or in depth you're, you can be like okay that doesn't quite make sense um but i think also that the cast was all really strong i liked aquafina um i really liked simi as as uh shang and uh i i would butcher some of the other actors names uh but you know his sister uh and then um you know, the Mandarin, I'm only going to say the Mandarin. I know he's got an actual like Win Wu, but you know, I'm just going to call him the Mandarin throughout this review. Uh, But, but Tony uh, Lang or Lung, I, I really liked his portrayal. And this also is something um, that you, you and I had talked about in one of the, uh, it it was actually the Dr. Strange. What if episode is that this, there seems to be this common theme of grief, uh, that we saw with WandaVision, we saw it with Loki, uh, and that we wondered if this would be something that would kind of continue on throughout and be a theme of the uh, Phase 4 of the MCU. And that actually seemed to kind of tie into this film without going into specifics.
3: Yeah, he was really consumed with his grief.
2: Yeah. Um, but of of the things that kind of really had me worried when watching this film, it really was only the prologue. Uh, and it wasn't all of the prologue. It was the very stylistic fight between him and his wife, like as oh, they I meet for the that first time. Scene. Well, I won't say like it was beautifully shot. The music was fine. It was the slowdown moments of like the smile, and but that's, you know, but-
3: that's a specific like. Fil- is that not a specific film type for um of Asian influence? Like I'm thinking of like was it crouching tiger hidden dragon or something like that As that a very a film
2: I haven't seen, There's I a tell. very
3: specific like re like that was done purposefully to for that specific reason because of that film's style not just we'll we'll slow it down here like that was to evoke that
2: Well it wasn't it wasn't the slowing down it was the cheesy look between the mandarin and her that like it yeah. was like okay I
3: I know there's some sort of like, I, I don't know. I haven't felt like studied Asian influencer film, but I know there's this, like a, spe- it's a specific thing. Okay. Like to slow down the look, the whole, the whole shebang is a specific thing. And, and uh, I believe it's Chinese theater, but like there's a whole thing like that, that was all meant to be. So like, I remember learning about it in my humanities class and like in ninth grade. So that's been a while, <laughs> but like, it's a whole thing. And I really liked it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it didn't, I didn't hate it altogether, but like, it was kind of this, one of these things that it was like, it was maybe a little bit too, for me personally, it was a little too stylized. It was a little too cheesy that it was like, I had a little bit of worry. I was like, well, if this is how the film was gonna approach certain scenes or how this story is going to unfold, I'm not really good. I don't know if I was going to be into it, but once we got past that and we were seeing Sean in, in uh, or Sean uh, right. in San Francisco, uh, I, I, all of those concerns uh, alleviated. And when you get to the, like one of the reasons I have a problem with it is it's kind of repeated again near the end. And it feels like really weird. Like I understand the moment between him and his wife, but then when it's the moment between him and Sean, it feels a little weird, uh, but that's again, it's just a minor point. But I really liked, um, oh, because you know we're all millennials here, pretty much, so we're we're the worst generation ever. Uh, I really liked Katie and and Shang, or Shang, um, in this movie, kind of being directionalist millennials who don't know what they want to do with their lives, and they're just like, well, I got to live up to what my my parents think or what my grandparents think I should do. And I don't want to do that. I want to do my thing. Uh, So that actually, I think, really helped uh, the story, because that is kind of Shang's main drive throughout this film is who is he outside of the Mandarin's son? Is he going to be just this next assassin warlord killer? Or is there more to him? And I really liked the way that the story unfolded with that aspect so
1: just to kind of pick your brain about this do you mm-hmm. think that he was more so just purposefully underachieving just to stay off of the radar well as so he thought
2: <laughs> well as as someone who may have done that uh, to their own life in some aspects uh quite possibly um i mean we do see like she has no idea that he's even trained in any type of combat. And in fact, uh, cause I, l- I love the, uh, the kind of double date scene, even though they're not like really a couple uh, with their, f- with their two best friends, like, and they're talking about how they first met and she jumped in the middle of the bully is screaming hotel, California mm-hmm. lyrics um, that like, she had no idea or expectation that he would know um, ha- any type of fighting uh skills or anything like that so when that reveal happens on the bus like her surprise feels so genuine and so i don't know if it was like i would say it's probably like okay i'm just going to be low-key so that you know no one can find me i'm just going to try to live the rest of my life but also still wanting to do something more something uh outside of of just being maybe maybe he wanted to be a valet driver i don't know um i do remember uh because i think we we might have talked about this leslie uh in the that trailer reaction or i know we definitely talked about it uh definitely off uh recording um the asian stereotype of not being able to drive because like that was like some law some complaints that were lobbed against the trailer because like katie's trying to drive the bus and she's doing a really bad job but like we get shown that first scene when they get into like the whatever car that is pat probably knows what car that is Um, uh lamborghini something like that i don't know it's a really fancy sports car and like she just drives it like crazy but it wasn't like she was driving to be a bad driver it was her driving to be for the thrill of the drive and of course that also comes into play later on in the film uh and then like people not understanding the reason she was driving the bus so terribly is half the steering wheel's chopped in half <laughs> and like the brakes are, are gone and you're on the hills of San Francisco. So like what do you expect?
3: You're losing the butt half of the bus. <laughs> right.
2: I'm, I'm pretty sure you should be able to handle it just fine. I think it is just
1: because she was Asian.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, we, we got Pat's uh, stance on that. So uh <laughs> it, 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 I, I, And I think that that's the scene that really set the rest of the tone of the movie for me, that I was going to be really enjoying it. Cause I think that the bus scene is probably the, when it comes to the fighting scenes, it's one of the best scenes in the entire film. Uh, it's really well choreographed. It's, it's really masterful in how he's trying to get the passengers out of uh, harm's way. I also like the, um, the live streamer yes <laughs> <laughs> and who's also like okay i'm gonna grade this combat because i took like karate at sixth grade for uh <laughs> for a week <laughs> and, and i really thought that was hilarious did
3: you um, watch um new rock stars eric Vasa breakdown
2: no Easter no
3: eggs? well he said that that guy's the same guy from spider-man homecoming that has him yells at him like do a flip spider-man
2: Oh you know what it is yeah yeah I can, I could actually because I can see it in my head that 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 uh character yeah, that's interesting. Wonder if that's uh if that's intentional or just some guy who just happened to get <laughs> cast in both films
3: I don't know, but it is interesting and that's hilarious. I was, that part really cracked me up and when I went to the theater it was me and two other people. so <laughs> I felt like me laughing out loud was a little awkward because you know it's just me and two people.
2: Well, we, we had more in ours uh we had a we had a pretty decent crowd at ours i was actually kind of surprised um but yeah it was and i will say that this was definitely one i was kind of happy to see in the theaters even though um you know pat and i both have talked about it uh in, in the podcast in the past i know we've talked about it here as well um i think that there was something that was really uh needed to see this in the theater on the big screen Whereas I might feel the like the opposite on Black Widow, and I know we haven't reviewed Black Widow because you haven't seen it yet, um, but like it's only a few
3: more weeks and it's gonna be out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, there was something about Black Widow that, I, I, again, I think the main thing that Black Widow suffered was where it takes place within the MCU, and so it's like it's a very, very much a movie where you can be like, I don't care, you know. Yeah, it's one that's. It you don't really need to see um, outside of a few things. And even those things are not important enough. Whereas like this is post end game. This is setting up a lot of different things. It's post credit scene. Well, it's one post credit scene is really good. um, And then it's final post credit scene is just okay. Uh, But it, it, it just did a really good job of kind of feeling like that, that pre COVID movie theater experience and you know it was just kind of really nice to see it with some other people and i mean i would not that i would have hated watching it at home or anything like that but it was it was kind of nice to see it in the theater so maybe i'll feel the same way when i go see uh, eternals in theater since that's uh taking a a page out of shang chi's book um but yeah you know i don't want to talk too much more about the story because i really did enjoy it i don't think it's too complicated uh, or I also don't feel because we've talked about this on the podcast a lot where like personal politics and stuff like that get entered into it. I didn't feel any of that. I didn't feel any virtue signaling. Um, I know some reviewers and I actually unsub from one and this is the one I usually complain about because he immediately like. First off, he says that there's that. There's no messaging. There's no show. You know, strong woman, uh, weak man, or anything like that. And then immediately goes, oh, but you know, they made Shang a, a weak man in the film. And I'm like, wait, you just said there was none of these things, but now you're saying there's this <laughs> thing here. Uh, I really felt like, even though this is Shang Chi in the Legend of the Ten Rings, it's almost an ensemble piece where each character that's introduced has some part to play in the story. And I really liked that. And I thought everyone played their part perfectly. It wasn't just Sean going in there and kicking ass. Um, and then one complaint we always have about Captain Marvel is we don't see uh, Carol fail. We don't see her ever. Like we're just told she's powerful and we only see her as powerful. We we know he's powerful, but he also has his own failures and his own Hang-ups that we do get explored through all of his kind of flashbacks um nice story beats uh kind of that dueling relationship with his father and so when it when it gets to the final climax of the scene and he kind of becomes the hero it feels earned whereas carol didn't ever feel earned um and then, yeah, there's some lovely Easter eggs in this film and one that I definitely will talk about in the spoiler section because it's probably my favorite part of the entire film. Uh, so what do you guys, before I give my score, you guys give your scores, what what else does anyone else have to say about story, characters, action, anything else?
1: Just to kind of go off of what you were saying there is like, I, it's hard to relate to a character that's always winning. Mm-hmm. And and this one's one where you can relate to the character. He has like like you said, he has his flaws. He has his moments of like doubt, this that the other. And other movies don't quite do that as well. Like even even Superman movies can do that. Like right, what an all powerful being has their downsides. And like if you have a character like like this, where it's not really a all powerful being like and if he was just winning all the time it wouldn't be fun <laughs> for right. the
2: audience right cuz even even on the bus like he wins but he still loses oh yeah like you know he saves he saves everyone but he loses the crucial thing that he needed to protect um so yeah it's it's definitely it, it goes back to some of those basics that they that they started out with iron man and captain america and thor like even though these are powerful people they're not perfect They're They are definitely flawed. And I think that this movie does a really good job of exploring those flaws and how those flaws either, uh, help or hurt each of the characters. Cause even the Mandarin, like I love his story arc in. And one thing that we've criticized, uh, especially like Wonder Woman 84, where the villains weren't really villains. They were just people that were hurt. Like the Mandarin is, it is that in the same way, but they do it in an interesting way with the story and how they tell that story rather than it being like, oh no, he's just, he's not really a bad guy. They go, yeah, he's not really a bad guy, but he's not really a good guy either. You know, there's all these lists of character flaws that he has, but then they make you understand what is good about him or what is sympathetic about him that you can be like, okay, I can kind of understand that but I can still look at him as the villain of the film.
1: Um, Marvel's done that a handful of times too, where it's yeah. like not a real villain. Like I felt the same way with Ant-Man and the Wasp.
2: Yeah, where that's, that's one where they didn't do it that well.
1: Yeah, it, it was, yeah, they didn't do a good job of it. It didn't, you weren't able to really relate to the villain because they didn't have enough screen time. Whereas right. this one kind of gave them enough screen time to kind of like, more or less explain himself.
2: <laughs> right. Absolutely. I agree. Um, all right. So my, my score for this one is um, it's going to be high. It's, it's pretty much about a four and a half. Like I, I don't want to, I, I want to give it a five, but at the same time, I don't want to give it a five because <laughs> there are like certain moments where I get dragged out of it. But uh, at the same time, seeing it in the theater, I had to like go to the bathroom about maybe 40 minutes into the movie, and I wouldn't get up. Like, I, I sat through the whole thing, and finally, like when the cre- before the post credit scene started, I was like, all right, I gotta go run to the bathroom. I gotta go, I gotta go. I was really captivated and held in my seat the entire time. I thought the cinematography was great. I liked the direction. I think Simi did a great job uh, as Shang. Uh, uh, the cast altogether, I think, was really, really strong, and all worked off of each other really well um and, and yeah i just i thoroughly enjoyed it call me a disney show, whatever you want
1: <laughs> disney show.
2: well you liked it too so oh of course <laughs> so who wants to go next who wants to give their score
1: well, I, I could go ahead all right so i'm gonna land on this is gonna sound probably a little bit less than what you gave it but i'm gonna land on like a three and a half okay um mainly because of like how the end plays out personally um it but that's about it
2: okay okay we can talk we (laughs) can explore that that a little bit more in the spoiler section definitely leslie you you
3: i was debating you know, like four and a half, four, four and a half, four. But I think I'm going to go four, like split the difference between
2: everybody <laughs> like be in the middle. Going to be on the fence.
3: Yeah, I think I, yeah, I do kind of feel like a little bit of the end battle that we can talk about was just like the tiniest bit weak. Yeah. But other than that, like because you have that and then it's ending and then we get the mid credit scene or whatever which was really, really good. So then I kind of forget about what just happened because I'm like, Oh my gosh, that was so, you know, that was so interesting. So I'll land on a four.
2: Okay. Okay. So all very, very good scores, respectable. I think, uh, I think we can explain ourselves a little bit more here in the spoiler section but uh yeah that's it shang chi uh it's currently out in theaters i believe it's got like a 45 day like release window where it's in theaters for uh, a month and about a month and a half and then it's going straight to disney plus so if you don't want to go out to the theaters and everything just hold on you'll be able to get to see it before too long um pretty much about the beginning of november and uh, by that time eternals will be coming out so you'll be you'll be well prepared uh for for movies coming out um and so if you aren't going to check it out or if you haven't seen it we're gonna go ahead and move into the spoiler section so uh you have been warned here's your chance to bow out of the video the podcast uh, and then come back later and listen to our our spoiler thoughts. So the uh,
1: the forty five day window will end October eighteenth, so I would expect it to be on Disney Plus not long after that.
2: Right, right, yeah, because because uh, I think Black Widow goes on Disney Plus here, like you said, uh, Leslie, in a the week or so. Um, I think
3: so. It's I thought it was October something.
2: Um, I thought it was September, but that that could be me uh but anyways yeah so it's going to be there before you know it um so if you don't want to don't want to risk going out there uh to theaters and anything just just hold on you'll you'll get to see it before too long um it's definitely a recommend i think from all three of us Uh, i think we all go ahead oh i was just
3: gonna say well as far as theaters go you know like depending on what area you're in if yours are closed down because i haven't been to the theater since rise of skywalker and I literally thought I had the house to myself <laughs> until the preview started and those other two people came in. And I was like, oh, I had the house to myself. But literally there was, there was no one. And I was doing just like a matinee on a weekend, and it was just me and those two people. So, you know, kind of feeling out your area, you know, where you live, how crowded or populated or whatever it is. But, like, it really wasn't bad.
2: At all yeah well for us like we saw it uh you know of course it was labor day weekend i was on vacation we saw it matinee for showing but that was a friday you know and again labor day weekend so you know you probably had some kids out early or some people off work early uh so it was it was a little bit busier but also you now everyone kind of was respectful kept to themselves and you know kept their distances and stuff like that so it wasn't anything too crazy uh but yeah we we're in a little, probably a little bit more densely populated area than than you are over there in Kentucky. Um, <laughs> you're on you're on the wrong side of the river. Oh no, um, I'm on the
3: right side of the river. Mm. Every Kentuckian knows that.
2: Oh, so all Kentuckians are wrong, and I know I'm gonna get my sister-in-law <laughs> mad at me because her family lives in Kentucky. All right, guys. So now we're going into spoiler sections. We've given you plenty of time to <laughs> to bow out from the spoiler stuff. So, all right. Um, so. I, I kind of had said this in our in our kind of review of the trailer. I was hoping Trevor would show up. <laughs> and I was so happy with his like this is what sells the movie for me so much. Like I think the most of the movie could have sucked, but Ben Kingsley showing up and doing the rest of like what he does in this movie would have still saved it for me because his. Honestly, if you hated him in Iron Man 3 or you hated his reveal as the Mandarin and, oh, he's not really the Mandarin. This picks up with the one shot that was done, which we will be discussing uh, at some point in our MCU franchise review uh, where because I had said it like we saw him get broken out of prison. But, you know, we didn't know what happened to him. We haven't seen him for a while. And the Mandarin has just been keeping him as his jester. And and uh, and he's made a little friend who I know you're in love with, Leslie. Uh, <laughs> well, Morris.
3: That my, yeah, that was my first question, and I had to ask one of my friends um, who knows a lot more of like Asian culture than I do. If it was, if Morris was an actual real Asian mythological creature, or if Disney like just did something really weird, like I just wasn't sure. But once she confirmed for me, she told me what it was—a um, a, a Dai Ying... I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but she said it's an embodiment of chaos. (laughs) And I was like, why doesn't it have a face? But she (laughs) doesn't know. (laughs) But I was like, "Okay, I feel a lot more comfortable with it, knowing it was a real, um, you know, mythical creature and not just something that like Disney was like, let's just make up this weird thing for toys and McDonald's, you know, because, you know, there's always like that weird like thing. Like when you look at Mulan, like why was little brother in there, the little dog? Well, obviously for McDonald's toys, you know, right. like, so I was a little concerned at first when I saw Morris. I'm like, Oh my God, what is that thing? And then she was like, no, it's okay. Like, <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> well, and I think they were trying to do a real, I, th- I think they were trying to do a really good job because they wanted to lean into that kind of Chinese Asian mythology. Uh, Cause even the dragon, Later on in the film is kind of a representation of like Japanese or uh, Chinese dragons, and um, and and then there's the uh, the uh, I I don't know if it's Inari, I think it's Inari in Japan, but the uh, the fox, the nine, like kind of like the nine tails. Uh, and no, not the Pokemon.
3: Um, <laughs> you apparently, know that's my first thought when I saw it.
2: <laughs> well, some people were thinking they were putting Pokemon in the movie. They didn't realize that it's based in Asian mythology. Um, I knew
3: that
2: one. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really cool to see a lot of those creatures. And, and uh, also those creatures like living in harmony with the kind of... Uh, what would you call it? The sect of like Asian people living in uh Taolo, uh, uh but I I really like that. I I uh, I don't know because it, it's very much uh kind of because I'm not too familiar with Shang-Chi in the comics. Like I don't know if Taolo is in the comics, but it's very kind of a knockoff of Kunlun for Iron uh Iron Fist. So I don't know if like because of the Netflix show and Feige's tenuous relationship with Jeff Loeb, that they were like, okay, we're not going to use Kunlun because it's kind of that place that's outside of the dimension of like our normal dimension, Uh, or if Tao Lo is within the comics. So if you're into the Shang-Chi comic books, let us know in the comments. Uh, We we don't mind being schooled on stuff that we don't know about. (laughs) Um, I also, I I liked his outfit. Uh, I thought it was, even though it's like, I mean, because this comics outfit's not really too distinguishable, anyways. It's just kind of like a red shirt. You know, I really did like the look and uh the you know, like the, how their mother made it made their suits kind of for them. Um and I I will say this, like whether you hate her you like her, I just enjoyed Aquafina in this movie. Like her just charismatic, like always curious about everything. And then her learning archery and like trying to prove that guy, the the, the, like master wrong. Uh, I just, I liked everything about that, that stuff. So, uh, but Trevor was the big thing. Like I, I I really think like bringing Ben Kingsley back and bringing him back in this manner and having him be more of an important character. uh, I think my favorite bit is when Morris thinks he's dead (laughs) And he's like, I'm acting. (laughs) (laughs) And then then it goes on its back and plays dead. Uh, I also liked his little monologue about Planet of the Apes and his mother trying to explain to him that they're actors. And he's like, if they could get those monkeys to act, I could too. And I was like, oh, that's hilarious. So um, I I don't think I really cared for the soul sucker um, because it's... Like it's we're to believe at the beginning of the film and through most of the film, the Mandarin is going to be the bad guy, but he's really being manipulated by the soul sucker uh, into unleashing it. And the Ten Rings are going to be what are going to be able to break it out of its prison. Um, And I, I just don't think that that was developed enough because we get the whole explanation about the history and everything in a very nice exposition dump. But it's like just so quick, and then we're getting ready into the fine prepare for the final battle, and everything. That it's just like, much like the Ghost in Ant-Man and Ant Man and Wasp, it's underdeveloped, and it's and it's greater impact into the story and the crisis just doesn't work as well as it could have. Uh Anybody else have thoughts on that? I
1: have thoughts on like the Mandarin, like towards the end. Okay. Uh, just kind of like. It, it was hard for me to believe that this guy was that consumed with, like, grief that he couldn't, like, distinguish whether or not, like, anything was real. When people were clearly like, you're just being crazy.
2: <laughs> I actually I actually disagree with you. I don't know. <sighs> uh, Leslie looks like she might disagree, too. <laughs> like, but... Are you really going to think that your wife is behind this giant wall?
1: Well...
2: well... Be- yeah like you got to think about it in the context of of that grief like he especially you I know you haven't seen WandaVision um so like I think like WandaVision is kind of maybe a good primer to understanding the Mandarin's like motivation and reasoning in this film because he does like we see he gives up the rings like he chooses mortality for her And then she dies, and in his grief, he puts the rings back on. And that power again kind of consumes him and drives him back into madness.
3: I was going to just like to add to that is the fact that his rings are these magical things or alien tech that nobody really knows. And he's already lived, what do they say, like over a thousand years?
2: Thousands of years, yeah.
3: So I feel like all of that is like a this on top of this on top of this that like all combined when it weighs down onto you and he's like he technically wasn't there when she died he showed up after she was dead but she's already from a magical dimension that he was trying to find kind of like hitler trying to collect all the magical things that it's like maybe it's not beyond the realm of his possibility that they like took her soul and put it back there or something like Uh, when when you're already what is it like jokers like there's only one bad day. Yeah. yeah. It only takes the one thing to like tap that glass and crack it.
2: Well I think it was enough. Not only that too, you gotta think about he lived centuries before meeting her. And she was the one thing that kind of brought him back to humanity. Because he doesn't meet her until like the nineties. So it's like he's already lived, you know through Genghis Khan and all of that and, you know, the Roman Empire and, like, French Revolution all that stuff, like, that this was the one person that brought him back to the his humanity uh, before he found the rings. And then he gives those rings up and, you know, starts a life, has two kids, and then he doesn't start really negatively impacting the kids' lives until she dies. And then he blames Shang and he basically shuns his daughter and, and goes back on this pure revenge thing. So it only takes like an evil being to take that little bit of grief and maybe uh, determination and twist it into this all consuming. No, I don't believe you. I've never been able to get into Talo, They turned me away. They wouldn't let her come back. Like, so his anger is focused on Tao Lo, and the soul sucker is using that anger and that grief. So to me, it's, it's stronger than, than what you think. Mm. Agree to
1: disagree. <laughs> okay. I, I was just like, I just felt so, especially when like start stuff, like stuff starts coming out of the wall and it's like, he could clearly see what's coming out of the wall. Like, come on.
2: <laughs> well, that might be a and 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 uh, an instance of just like the just the closer blind. you get to a a signal, the like the stronger it is. The so closer like,
3: you are to Mount Doom, the stronger the ring is. Yeah,
2: right. Blindly exactly. Following it. Yeah. yeah so I mean, yeah, right. and that's where like when you get into that final fight scene, that's where that slow down moment because like they repeat that opening fight scene between uh, the Mandarin and his mom with Shang and the Mandarin. That like it gets that slow down, like look moment. And you're like, okay, that's a little bit weird. Like having this slow, like emotional kind of look between father and son. Like I get the point of it, but it looks to me personally, it looks a little weird and cheesy that I'm just like,
1: uh, it's just like Tom Brady and his son.
2: Well, (laughs) maybe Uh, as, as someone who doesn't follow sports, I've, barely know what you're talking about um but yeah that was that's where like i I was saying like that that reflection of that scene just seems a little bit weird but at the same time i enjoy that final fight i like the fight between the rings like the rings one set of the rings deciding that he's a worthy successor the other rings are still stuck with the mandarin and it's not until you know the Mandarin really realizes what's more important to him is protecting his son that he passes like all the rings go to Shang. So uh, I, I really did enjoy that too. But I do also think that that all the Talo stuff happens in the last third of the film. And it's just kind of rushing then to that conclusion. But I will say, I also like the, uh, the final scene again, we're getting back to that double date and they're talking about all this fantastic stuff they did. And they're, their friends are like, okay, is this because we made fun of you like last time? <laughs> and then Wong comes walking in. It's like, uh, we need you to come with us right now. <laughs> and, it, and then also, oh, well, no, that's in the post-credits thing. But uh, yeah, so, uh, I, you know, those are some of the bigger kind of spoiler moments that uh, I think, like, that's what I knock it down a little bit for. And uh, we got kind of the second appearance of Bella. She likes being a pain to you, Pat. (laughs) Only towards the end, both times. Of course. Uh, But yeah, it it was, uh, you know, those were some of the things that kind of impacted my score where it's like, it's not bad enough that like I really have to ding the film for it. uh, But it it is some things that I noticed watching it through on the first time. So...
3: In yeah. in Talo, I have a question. Mm-hmm. If either it was just me. When um, Sean and Katie are just talking, and we know at the beginning that like her grandfather's dead, and he's like, "I'm not who you think I am." Did you think it was going to go for that turn where like I did come and I did kill the guy, and it was your grandfather?
2: No, I like, really didn't. That's uh,
3: what the, I was only
2: I, the only thing. The only thing I was I might expecting. But I much
3: into like the murder mysteries. Like I was expecting him. <laughs>
2: Because I I didn't even really, like, I wasn't even really associating the fact that her, you know, because I, yeah, they do have that whole scene with her, uh, with her family and talking about the grandfather being dead. But I never really tied that to being like, that's who he went after. I did expect kind of the the reveal of him like, oh, no, I didn't, I couldn't go through with it to that coming later and going, no, I actually did go through with it. Now, the one thing I do wish they would have shown is him doing it. Because we don't get to see that scene. Like, we don't get to see him have that moment of regret after killing killing the man responsible to then have him then go on his, uh, you know, self-exile ex- in in America. So, you know, it was, it was just a minor thing for me, but... I don't
3: know. I just saw that and my mind was like, oh, plot twist, he's going to be the one who killed your grandpa.
2: Somebody <laughs> reads too much Agatha Christie. <laughs> um, so well, let's... let's I, Okay. Oh,
3: stop! <laughs> like one more thing. Yeah. Um, do you think there's anything to this? Ha- like, you know, from WandaVision to Falcon and Winter Soldier to What If? That we've been seeing, um, to Loki, we've been seeing more of these like odd celestial creatures. Like we saw the tentacle creature in What If. We've got mm-hmm. Elias and Loki. You know, we've we've got that weird soul sucker thing in this movie. Like we're getting more of those kind of creatures. And then if you've seen the previews for Eternals, like, does it look like we're going in a direction here?
2: Well, I would say uh, quite possibly, uh, especially since, like, they're saying that Eternals is going to have some monumental impact to the MCU. Uh, What that impact is, I don't know. I know we have uh, the Celestials involved, and if you're not too familiar with the celestials go back watch guardians of the galaxies they are mentioned not to not also to mention that nowhere is the head of a celestial um that that that's going to happen and maybe quite possibly uh what are they called in in eternals what do they call those things divergence or uh um oh i can't remember the term that they that De- they call them Deviants. 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 yes maybe the soul sucker was a deviant that was not necessarily, and that maybe that it could be a tie-in because we see that uh, that the cast of Eternals have some impact that they will involve themselves in human history to fight a deviant. Maybe the Soul Sucker was a deviant um, that they helped, you know, the ancient Talloans to uh, trap behind um, the the dragon scale. So it's it's possible. We'll we'll uh, we'll have to find out in Eternals. Um, who knows. But, I, I mean, we know Kang is is going to kind of be our new big bad, so it'll be interesting to see how these things all play into. And and kind of now moving off of that point, because uh, I think it's the perfect time to talk about it, our post credit scene is them, uh, you know, at the Sanctum Sanctorum with Wong, and they're talking about how the rings are sending a signal. Now, in the comics, they are of alien origin. Um, so... I don't know, especially because not even Carol um, or Bruce can tell who the signal's going out to. Could be going out to the Eternals, could be going out to the Celestials, could be going out to Kang. I mean, we, we honestly don't know. Um, but I, I really like how that builds the mystery. Because my complaint, and I won't say what the you know mid-credits saying or what the post-credits thing is for Black Widow, but my complaint about the Black Widow one was it it meant nothing. Like I I didn't care. Like it didn't feel like it was setting up anything really strong for me. Um, but this one feels like, okay, this is setting up some story plots that we're going to see come unfolding down the road. Mm -hmm. And not to mention they do the millennial thing and they all go sing karaoke at the end (laughs) with Wong Wong (laughs) included. Um, Oh, and I also, because I also want to mention it, I loved seeing Abomination again, but it was far too short.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and he had his... (laughs) traditional
2: look. Facelift,
3: yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah, he's got his ears, Uh, finally. I didn't like that he didn't speak. Um, Because, you know, as we saw him in Incredible Hulk, he was in full control. But I'm sure they can explain it. Um, I I think Abomination is also supposed to have a play in She-Hulk. So maybe we'll see more. And understand more of what's been going on with him uh, since Incredible Hulk. Um, so anybody else got any any other thoughts or anything else they want to talk about? yeah no, I think uh,
1: I think I've said everything that I want to say. Okay. I
3: saw one other small complaint, if you want to talk about it, but sure. it's not, like, a big thing. Sure. Well, it was people who were complaining that they didn't like that the rings weren't individualized in the movie as they are in the comics.
2: Like like finger rings?
3: Well, they didn't care about the finger rings because they, it's that martial arts, um, but that each one... Oh, they, they didn't have
2: individual in powers.
3: Yeah, yeah, they didn't get into that. And I thought maybe that was, like, a little too,
2: too in-depth for the first movie. Yeah, you know, it w- it would make sense that like maybe uh, maybe he as the Mandarin only knew how to access one power, you know, yeah. and that's the that he like didn't even bother learning what their full potential was. It was just this is what's gaining me my wealth and my n- uh, notoriety. And mm-hmm. instead of really understanding how the rings are supposed to work or how they work in conjunction, I agree. That's something you can explore in a sequel. Um,
3: maybe that, like you know, when song is learning about them then he actually like opens them up right yeah but yeah. they I were agree. like well, they don't have the individual little uh you know people or spirit warriors or whatever that was attached to them and i'm like eh. he'll I'll start he it
0: huh? he'll
1: start he'll start learning the powers like uh spider-man when yeah. he's like <laughs> when the, when the uh pretty much like the parent
2: control modes taken off of the suit. <laughs> <laughs> says the person who still hasn't seen uh, Far From Home. Nope. Uh, I'm going to get you to watch that movie here at well, some point. When we get point.
3: there, the MCU review, you should watch it so then we can...
2: Well, he's got to get it watched before No Way Home, because I'm making him go see No Way oh, Home. Oh, in December. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got time. <laughs> you say that now. Um, uh, one, one final thing, not Shang-Chi related or anything like that. I know you've seen it. I don't know if Pat's seen it. Hawkeye trailer. Who else is excited for Hawkeye?
1: I don't think I've watched the trailer. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll watch it once I get caught up on everything else. Uh,
2: i'm I'm really I'm really excited for it. Uh, I think it looks really, really uh, funny and yeah. yet serious at the same time. And I'm more intrigued about Kate and how uh, you know she is wearing or why she's wearing his Ronin uh, attire. And kind of they're running in together. And I, I, the one thing I love from the trailer the most is like when she's pointing out arrows and he's like, no, too dangerous, too dangerous." No, no, no. <laughs> and then, okay, that one's good. And it explodes the car. She goes, "There are more dangerous arrows." Than
3: <laughs> than that. Yeah, I kind of like that. We're getting from the trailer that it's not his daughter, right? Because I think there was a lot of people who were like, "It's going to be his daughter. It's going to be this. It's going to be that." And I was like, "Huh."
2: Ah. Well, I think that was. Uh, partially to blame for Endgame because of him uh, training her at the beginning.
3: Well, I think that's kind of like, you're Hawkeye. What do you do with your kids? Oh, like, let's teach them how to
2: shoot a bow well, and arrow. Like... I kind of I wonder if more of the complaint is that they weren't going to have it be about him and his daughter rather than, you know, introducing Kate Bishop as this second daughter figure. Sort of. um, but, like, at the same time, Kate Bishop is an established character in the comic books and like
0: yeah.
2: his daughter is really only because of Joss Whedon writing a family for him in age of Ultron. So it's like you kind of hamstring them a little bit on it, but I, I, I like this. I, I just like what they're setting up there that it's kind of going to be this gangland warfare type thing and uh, him kind of facing repercussions for his actions as Ronan um, during, during the five years. So it's, it's him having, to really make amends for going around and murdering lobsters so well uh, um
3: and if you can get tickets to Rogers the musical <laughs> I, I'm down for that that's <laughs>
2: the i I know you want to see it uh, that's the one part that I'm like oh god they're gonna make that so bad
3: I, I don't care I'm here for it I'm here uh, for it all day
2: all right well that's I wanted to talk about that briefly pat you're are always a rock when it comes to you know finding trailers for some things. So you know I wasn't expecting too much from Hawkeye on you on that one. Uh, um, yeah, I, I yeah, I haven't gotten around to it.
3: I mean he catches a Molotov cocktail and throws it back at them. I mean that's
2: that cool. was that was <laughs> pretty cool in the trailer. And we don't have long to wait for that. That's gonna be here uh, in November, end of November. So right. we're we're getting plenty, plenty of Marvel content. And again, I think um I'll say this, like, I was very cautious uh, post game on how the MCU was going to move forward, and I gotta say, I'm not as worried. I'm really enjoying, you know, outside of a few things, like, some of the episodes of What If are just okay, and some of the episodes are fantastic. Uh, WandaVision was great. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, unfortunately, was not as good as it should have been, and Loki was great, so I have nothing to think that Hawkeye won't be good and we'll see if Eternals I know you're more excited now for Eternals from that second trailer I'm still wishy-washy on it a little bit but I'm, I, I'm
3: looking forward to seeing it but I'm still worried about it because it's introducing so many, so many characters, characters and it's like characters that not like let's let you know nobody really knows like right. nobody nobody really knows and there's so many people with so many A-list actors, it's like, how do you give them all the screen time they want? It's just kind of. I feel like there's a lot that needs to happen in that movie, and I'm kind of worried if they'll be able to achieve it.
2: Right, and that's that's my major concern with that as well. As, uh, of course, I had that concern with Guardians, and Guardians turned out fantastic. So maybe we'll be maybe we'll be surprised.
3: And this is like double the cast.
2: <laughs> that's right. Was uh was Linda Cardellini in the Hawkeye trailer? uh i know the family's there for the dinner but i didn't specifically look for her in it but i wouldn't be surprised
1: okay i might check it out
2: <laughs> all right then that's a little little odd note to leave on there with him hey man
1: it is what I it is <laughs> I, I don't know what that
2: hey man's supposed to mean and i'm i'm not going to ask for for uh, an explanation all Maybe right too- i i think that's gonna do it for this week uh Again, thank you to everyone who subscribed. And if you haven't subscribed, subscribe you know, subscribe down below. Leave us a like. Leave us comments. What did you think of Shang-Chi? And, uh, you know, in the comic sec- comments section, try to keep it spoiler-free as much as you can uh, for people who haven't seen the, the movie. And as always, uh, you know, you can find us on all of our other platforms. Uh, you can follow us on social media at CriticsNTCynics on Twitter, Critics Not Cynics podcast on Facebook. Uh, we're on Spotify, Podbean, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, basically about wherever you can get your audio-only podcast. And uh, you can write into the podcast at criticsnotcinics at gmail.com. As usual, all the links will be in the description below. Uh, and we will talk to you guys next time.